welcome to our caregivers podcast we're back live with you it's sue hutton here i'm here with my dear friend and colleague lee Steele. and today's theme is all about how do we now carry mindfulness into our lives now that we've been practicing it perhaps we've finished a program we've done a little bit we've got a taste of what it is how the heck do we keep it going and it's so common to to have people get really excited when they first do it and they go in whole hog and within a couple of days they realize oh no i've already fallen off the horse and i'm not practicing like i wanted to and then we start that cycle of beating ourselves up again but can you imagine, and Lee, I think you relate to this, right? People beat themselves up for not practicing mindfulness. Have you seen that? Well, I do it myself, Sue, never mind seeing it. <laughs> right, yeah. when I, you know, I think the perfectionist in me was like, oh, no. And I guess that's one of the things I really love about mindfulness is that you can just begin again. You know, like just how we bring our attention to that next breath, I can also just kind of say okay next breath new beginning and uh, just start again anytime yeah yeah and it's um you know I think of some of the teachers that I've studied with in the past who talk about master mindfulness teachers in the east who they practice 24 7 you know and so maybe they're not always going into the meditation hall or the temple, but they're living their life as a meditation. And today, Lee, maybe you and I can talk a little bit about how we encourage people to do some of that in our six-week program and some of the creative ways that you and I try and do that. Um, but why don't we start with a really, really short little practice just to get ourselves in the here and now. And I'm going to suggest what we do is start off with meditating with our eyes open. Lee and I did this one a little while ago today. Uh, but right now, can everyone just bring yourself into a position in which you bring intention to noticing how you're feeling and engaging with your senses? So, for instance, you may be able to feel a little bit more alertness if you straighten your posture a little bit. Perhaps nod the head up and down, roll the shoulders, and then just assume a posture which symbolizes presence, commitment, intention to you. And feel free to place a hand on your belly and feel the belly rising and falling as you breathe in and out into the palm of your loving hand. So you're nurturing yourself and with that touch of the hand on your belly, can you bring some love, perhaps even feel that compassion streaming in the body. Do a few breaths in your own rhythm, breathing deeply, feeling the spine rising up and as you exhale, just relaxing, giving yourself permission to let go and relax. And now let's look at three different things, one at a time, that will cultivate a little bit of gratitude. And Lee, you and I were talking about gratitude earlier, but let's just start off with 
looking at one object. So just allow your eyes to fall on one object in the room that you're in right now or wherever it is that you are. And just focus on that. So if you're not sighted, just feeling and remembering some of the things that are in your room. If you are sighted, just allowing yourself to look at that object, look at the color and the shape, the texture, the way the light falls on that particular object. And can you feel yourself looking? So inhabit your body internally as you gaze, taking a look at this object. And now find a way of associating that object with gratitude. So this is a practice of helping ourselves remember to be grateful for everything and that we can actually wire our brains to feel grateful. So that particular object, what is it that you're grateful for about that? An example, I'm sitting in the corner of my bedroom, <laughs> just so you know, doing this podcast from the corner of my bedroom where I've got a little meditation cushion, I'm beside the window, and the first object that I looked at was a blanket folded on my bed. And that causes me to feel comfort. I feel grateful that I have a blanket that's soft that I can put on me at night. And it makes me feel cared for, that I have that and lucky that I have bedding. I'm in a home where I can have bedding. So whatever it is for you, find a way of feeling grateful. Now, moving the eyes, take a look at a different object. Just randomly allow your eyes to take a look at a different object. Taking a look at the color, the shape. And what is it? about that particular object that makes you feel gratitude. And this time, can you feel it in your body? So connecting with the feeling of gratitude in the body. Then allowing the eyes to fall on a third object. And again, if you're not sighted, just thinking of an object in your home. So either thinking of this object or taking a look at the color and shape if you're sighted. And what is it that makes you think of how you're grateful when you look at that object or when you think about that object? And again, feeling that in the body. Okay, there's a very brief little gratitude exercise you can do anywhere you are with your eyes open, even if you're in a meeting, if you're in, uh, you know, somewhere out and about, just really cultivating and practicing getting our neural pathways to feel gratitude and then connecting with the physical sensations of what it feels like to actually feel grateful. Um, Lee, out of curiosity, I love how you're such a great mindfulness practitioner. What, what happened for you when you did that? I really like that, Sue, because I can see how I could, um, you know, apply this all the time. Like just, you know, n noticing and 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 thinking gratitude about just things I normally just take for granted. I I looked at my pin, you know, just sitting here at my table. And there's just, you know, a pin here, and it got me thinking about, <laughs> you know, how I love um, cursive writing, like getting a card or sending a card 
you know, and handwriting, something that's almost, you know, being eclipsed nowadays. And then it made me think about my mother and how she would always send me cards and letters and how I don't receive those anymore. And, um, Hmm. you know, because of her, she's not able to write um, because of her her vision impairment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just something I probably took for granted all my life was, you know, getting cards and letters from her and then it got me thinking about maybe I should send my beloved children some cards and things too. It just was, you know, that would be a way that to express my love to them. So just by looking at this ordinary pen that I pick up and just use without thinking most of the time had just this cascading um, kind of chain of thoughts about gratitude for my mom, for, for what can be expressed when I pick up a pen. Oh, I love that so much and and I like you and I had the same words in our mind because as you were speaking I was also thinking how we just take things for granted and why not practice wiring the brain to be in that headspace of feeling gratitude. We know from research Robert Emmons did so much research on studying the benefits of gratitude on our health and our relationships and on our sleep. We may have mentioned in this podcast before that doing a regular gratitude practice actually helps your sleep. So why not practice doing that? And what we just did there, doing it with our eyes open during the day, hey, we can do that anytime, right? So uh, there's one little example of one of the ways that we can bring mindfulness to our daily lives and kind of make it practical. And another way, now Lee and I, I, I always actually call Lee our, our poet laureate because without knowing it, Lee, I mean, I think you're so modest about this, but you have this beautiful sense of language and imagery. When we talk about our meditation practices, you just talk about things in such a poetic way. And I love it when you close off our groups with reading poetry. A lot of the caregivers talk about loving it. Um, would you share a poem with us? And can you say a couple words about what it means to you to, like, how does it help you with your practice to read some of this poetry that you, that you read so beautifully? Well, thanks, Sue. I think uh, one of the reasons I love poetry is because it is says succinctly and you often so heartfelt, in such a heartfelt way, in relatively few words. And, um, and, and I just love that about poetry. And um, I, I think that poetry for me is very grounded. Sometimes I don't have time to read much, but I, I can read, um, you know, the words, these beautiful words or these heartfelt words they're not always beautiful. Sometimes they're just something that just resonates with my heart. Um, if I'm struggling or I'm feeling sorrow or something, you know, the, I don't know, the beauty of poetry, the beauty of words, um, I, it just, it's, I find it inspiring and grounding. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to read a, a poem if you'd like me to, Sue, oh, sure. Oh, please, please, please. Because it, okay. it really, the poetry kind of points at what we're, what we're doing in our practice, I think, like some of the, some sometimes it's metaphor and it's imagery that helps us kind of go deeper with our practice, right? Like it can really inspire. So please read away. Okay, I love this one. This is the piece of Wild Things, uh, by Wendell Berry. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life 
and my children's lives might be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things, who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world, and I am free. Like, if that's not a guided meditation, what is? (laughs) So beautiful. Well, I love that. And let's, we could do another poem later on in the, um, in the group. I'll read, I'll read another one at the end of our session today. But we wanted to talk a little bit today about, you know, and like we did with that meditation we just did, um, with our eyes open or remembering something that's in, in our room or in our midst and using the literature to help inspire us. And, and just talking about other ways that caregivers can actually use mindfulness in a practical way. So I always start this off with reminding us that we, you know, the practices of mindfulness actually come from Buddhist practices where people were privileged to be sitting in a monastery and people brought them their food, <laughs> right? They didn't have the distractions of family members needing something from them. They didn't have the worries and challenges of going to a job and commuting through their city, whatever it is. Their job was to meditate all day long, right? So now that we're really trying to bring mindfulness into into this busy, active Western life, especially as caregivers, is we gotta cut ourselves a bit of slack, you know, that we're not attaining full Buddhahood enlightenment, you know, when we sit down for the very first time. We've gotta be gentle, we've gotta forgive ourselves. And like Lee said, we gotta start over and over and over. So, you know, one of the things that we do in our mindfulness practice when we do our six-week caregivers group is we have people choose an item or a routine activity that they do every day and uh, try and turn that into a meditation. This comes directly out of John Kabat-Zinn's Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program, and we've really embodied that and we, we really plug that in for our caregivers. And um, Lee, do you want to say anything about your experiences with, uh, with doing that, like turning your hand cream into a meditation or a shower or going for a walk or whatever it might be? Yeah, I really, uh, you know, I, it, it, the sky's the limit really in, in choosing something, Sue. One of the things I've been doing recently is in preparing uh, food, you know, to really uh, give deeper consideration about like whether I'm holding a carrot or, and you know, this year, Sue, I have my very first garden. Um, and so I have like tomatoes and, and lettuce. I never had a little garden plot before, but I do now. Yeah. And, I, you know, putting those, you know, seeing the, f- the fruition <laughs> of, yeah. of like a tomato growing and things like that. The ways that, you know, just, I guess just bringing you know, thinking about the sunshine and the farmer that planted it, intended it. And in this case, in my own little garden, you know, thinking back in the spring when I put those little seeds in the ground and now they're like, and how how interesting it is the way they grow and each plant is different. And it's just, 
it's something that, you know, instead of thinking about what I have to do after I, okay, we've got to get everybody fed and then we'll do this. It's kind of like, let me bring my full attention to chopping this vegetable or, you know, stirring this, uh, whatever it is I'm making and, and kind of almost imbue love through the, bringing my attention to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the, so that's one of the ways I've been doing it. I have to, I have to make the meal, but it's it's just shifted it from being you know something I have to do to to a mindfulness practice, and it's the same with cleaning up after you know, really smelling the soap and I don't know feeling kind of happy about mm-hmm. the ability to have that warm running water right out of the tap that I take for granted, right? That mm-hmm. makes my dishes squeaky clean. All the people that don't have that, so. Mm-hmm. There's just so many ways. There, there's, like I said, there's no limit to the number of things we can choose to bring our full attention to that we're already doing. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Lee, that inspires me um, because I like the way you're talking about your gardening and you know just like following from the beginning to the end and practicing gratitude with that. And you have talked about. I love this image. You know, it's used in family therapy and systems therapy and so on. Sometimes you hear, you know, we talk about the, the the parent or the whole family network, family system is being like a mobile, you know, one little piece moves, the other pieces all move too. And as caregivers, you know, we're part of that whole context of the person with a disability in our life. And so we're also connected with this whole mobile. And the same way you're talking about the gardening, the farmer, the yada yada, like having that sense of gratitude and compassion for all those elements. We are connected with this mobile of, you know, the the support workers, if there's an agency involved, if there's a school involved, if there's OTs, you know, occupational therapists involved, speech language, like who's involved in the network of our family and our loved one. And practicing gratitude for all the elements in that mobile, you know? just uh, really putting out compassion, thinking how we're all connected. And we were talking a little bit about gratitude. And Lee, would you say a couple words? Because I know, you know, we've talked about how our kids, our family members um, can be like teachers and an opportunity for us to practice gratitude. Yeah, I was thinking about that, Sue. I didn't really Mm -hmm. realize this for, you know, I always felt like I was the one that had to sort of teach my my son you know like i had this immense feeling of responsibility that i was the teacher and he was sort of the recipient of my you know advocacy or my teaching or the people that i could put in place to help and i was totally obscured by the fact that he's actually and my daughter have been my greatest teachers like to learn to prioritize little things you know uh, to that I would have taken for granted, you know, they were teachers about what truly are my values, you know, love and and, and um, family and friendship, you know, instead of the world's values. So mm-hmm. I think that was one of the other really beautiful benefits of having um, my children and, and, as you said, being part of this larger mobile that we are all, we're all teachers and we're all learners. Um, and I, I needed to slow myself down enough through mindfulness to mm-hmm. actually kind of change my mind about what really, 
you know, so it wasn't me bestowing something, but actually seeing myself just as much a recipient of all of these people that I that have come into our lives that mm-hmm. I would never have met otherwise or known otherwise, and especially to view my loved one as my teacher, patience, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, gratitude, all of those things. I would have, I think, I would have missed it, Sue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's not easy. I d- some people might be listening and say. Oh my gosh, my kids, my teacher, are you kidding me? And I even remember after studying mindfulness for years, when I had a kid, and I remember speaking with teachers, and I was just yearning to get to a retreat or finding a way of meditating with the community. And I called up some of the groups that I've been meditating with. Hi there, can I bring my baby? And they said, no, sorry, no babies allowed. We don't want crying babies in our meditation <laughs> halls. I thought, oh, no. And, uh, you know, I had teachers say, your child is your teacher now. And I remember, you know, thinking, feeling very rejected. I was like, where can I go to practice? And then, you know, we have to find creative ways of, of doing the practices. Um, so it's, yeah, it's nice to frame that in the, in the gratitude and really find those, those ways all throughout our day. Um, so there's something that I thought might be a neat practice to do, you know, when we close, um, and that's a practice on forgiveness. Right, because we did a little bit of the gratitude in the beginning, like a a real world gratitude practice that we can do during the day. And you know, Lee, you talked, you know, as we were prepping for this, you know, you were talking about how so many people dive in whole hog, wanting to be like these big mindfulness practitioners, and then they realize as caregivers, wow, this is much more challenging to really find the time. And then we get into that cycle of beating ourselves up, which is just hurting ourselves even more. So I was thinking a little bit of a forgiveness meditation, um, which, and believe me, we are a central part of that forgiveness, self-forgiveness and self-compassion. So I thought that might be neat to do. Um, but before uh, we do that, anything else, Lee, that we want to yeah, say? Just should, yeah, yeah, let's do it, Sue. But I was also thinking just how I need to forgive myself because... Like, sometimes as a caregiver, I have such high standards of, like, you know, I don't know who I'm comparing myself to. It must be some super mom somewhere. But, you know, if I don't always, if I'm not always patient, if I'm not always loving, if I'm not always, like, this high standard of what I, I think a parent or a caregiver ought to be, then I, can, I need forgiveness just to mm-hmm. say, no, this is the human experience and bring acceptance and love to the to yeah when I do it well but when I don't do it well to bring forgiveness and compassion for myself as well because Mm -hmm. that's just not sustainable that we'll always do things the way that we want to so I I love this idea let's let's go for it Sue teach us okay well hey this is stuff that we all do and and Lee I love practicing with you so much because I feel like we're all doing it and I I need this as much as anybody (laughs) so um okay let's get into a position and do a practice on forgiveness and you know there's so many different emotions that as caregivers that come up for us and um, a lot of these they're all reflected in the in the mindfulness practices there's tons of different practices for mindfulness and this is one of them a practice on forgiveness so let's get into a position to bring full attention and commitment to ourselves right now feel free to close your eyes if that's comfortable 
And just take that posture that can help you pay attention, bring focus and commitment. And let's start with just taking a couple of deep breaths in, feeling the belly expanding. And when you exhale, just letting go of any tension. Soften the brow, soften the eyes, the jaws, breathing in again. Feeling yourselves getting heavier, more relaxed. And let's begin now with just thinking about someone who has perhaps done some harm intentionally or unintentionally. And I want to start off by saying as we do these practices, don't bring to mind someone who's really hurt you. Remember with all these mindfulness practices, we're practicing the the mindset of being able to be present non-judgmentally with compassion to all that comes and goes. For some of us, we've had some history. Some of us are trauma survivors, and you don't need to go into the depth of the challenges right now. Um, so let's begin. And Lee, I'm just going to start. I'm going sorry. I'm going to start that one again. I feel like I should have said that in a different way. So for Katie, we're going to start the meditation practice now and just delete the the rest. I want to just do the preamble beforehand. <clears throat> so let's begin a forgiveness meditation practice now. For those of us who are trauma survivors or who have a lot of emotions that are overwhelming from our history, please know that when we do this, we don't need to bring up the big challenges right off the bat. We just practice with little situations that help us wire the brain and strengthen those muscles of forgiveness. You don't need to go in and forgive the people who have caused great harm perhaps in your life. So just let that go. Take a few breaths in. You're safe. You're in a comfortable place right now where you can do a practice. So let's take a few deep breaths in, just nourishing the body as the belly expands out and softening and letting go on the out breath, releasing any tension, breathing in again, and releasing, softening the brow, letting go, tension in the jaws, the shoulders, breathing in again. Now let's turn our attention to doing this forgiveness practice. And we do it in three phases. The first phase is just bringing to mind someone that we may have harmed a little bit in some way or another. Again, don't bring up the major pieces, but maybe something that you said that you could have said a little bit differently. Just bring that to mind and just remember who's the person who you may have harmed, what was the incident, and how do you feel in your body when you bring that to mind. Being gentle with yourself, 
bathing yourself in some compassion and you're safe right now. We're just exploring these feelings and just feeling what that feels like to be aware that we may have caused some harm. Just breathe in and out, just being aware of what that feels like. Feeling whereabouts in the body that is, where is that feeling? Let your awareness just continue to feel that, but now bring in the healing breath with that, bringing in some compassion, perhaps some light, taking care of yourself, being gentle with yourself, even placing a hand where you might feel that in the body. You can even say the person's name and you can even just ask forgiveness, please forgive me. What it was that I did, I did not intend. I was acting out of a place of my own pain. I was acting out of a place of lack of awareness. Please forgive me. And just feeling what that feels like in the body. May I be forgiven. You might even be beaming light out to that other person so you're healing your own body, that place where there may be that pain, and at the same time beaming that out. May I be forgiven. So the physical feelings, it may be in the heart, maybe in the belly, asking and opening to receiving forgiveness. It's the physical sensations that are the most important here. Just tending with love and compassion for yourself. Breathing in and out. And now letting go of that image and now bringing to mind someone who's done something that's harmed you. Again, remember, we're not going for the deep, deep trauma, just something that's happened that's irked you a little bit. Picturing what the person looks like and see what feelings arise. Where do you feel that in the body? Feel free to place a hand there again. You're safe. You're protected. You're in an environment where you're wiring the brain to tend to this. Just breathing in and out that healing air. And now when you're ready, just offering forgiveness to them. You can say their name. I forgive you. I forgive the ways that you've harmed me, whether you intended to or not, intentionally or unintentionally. I forgive you. I forgive you. Repeat that a few times, feeling the sensations in your body. Now taking a few more easy breaths, you can let that go and just returning to feeling your body here, being aware of what the sensations are like right now.
just taking a moment to feel what's in your own heart and being aware of how you may cause yourself harm and bring yourself harm. Maybe in how hard you try and work, maybe you don't bring yourself opportunities to let go, to nurture yourself. Take an opportunity to just lighten the feeling of that burden. So you're picturing yourself bringing love, bringing compassion to yourself and forgiving yourself for all the things maybe you've forgotten, you've been busy, you've been overburdened. You can even say your own name quietly in your mind. I forgive you. May I forgive myself. So you may have feelings in the body, physical sensations. There may even be tears that come up with this. Just basking in that feeling of radiant love and compassion, trying to breathe in. Can you feel held in the awareness of your own breathing, held in the awareness of your heart beating, held in the awareness of your own body right here, right now. Breathe in stillness for a few more moments, just softly, gently nourishing yourself with your in-breath, breathing deeply in and out, allowing yourself to feel loved, cared for. And when you're ready, you can stretch the body. And I'm just gonna read a poem as we prepare to close this. And this poem is called Dear You. And this is following up with Lee's talk earlier about poetry and how wonderful it can be to nourish ourselves. This is a poem about forgiveness too, I think. Dear You by Kaveri Patel. Dear you, you who always have so many things to do, so many places to be, your mind spinning like fan blades at high speed, each moment always a blur because you're never still. I know you're tired. I also know it's not your fault. The constant brain buzz is like a swarm of bees threatening to sting if you close your eyes. You've forgotten something again. You need to prepare for that or else. You should have done that differently. What if you closed your eyes? Would the world fall apart without you? Or would your mind 
become the open sky, a flock of thoughts flying across the sunrise as you watched and smiled. Ah, <sighs> there we are. Lee, how was that forgiveness practice for you? Oh, Sue, thank you so much for that. You know, I really needed the part about forgiving myself. I think that if I'm, if I carry like criticism of myself, it makes me much more tense and kind of rigid. And, and I think that's what I then project because I haven't started with forgiving myself. Mm-hmm. And, and that poem just says it so beautifully. I just love that poem. Thank you. And you know, Lee, I'm going to share too, because you've articulated this so clearly that as a caregiver, sometimes when we're talking with professionals about our loved one, there can be a sense of, are you doing enough as a caregiver, (laughs) right? Yes. All all the pressures and stresses. Oh my goodness. And you've really articulated like how, how much it's possible for a caregiver to internalize. Well, it certainly was certainly my case, Sue, and other many, many, many caregivers that I've spoken to, and we hold that in our bodies. We hold that that supreme sense of responsibility, and um, and I guess that's what I meant a little bit earlier when I said how my children are my teachers, because in a way, it it that reduces that feeling that. Um, that I should, I'm completely not only responsible for advocacy and teaching, but, but also, you know, how everything turns out. If I'm super responsible, then I somehow maybe inadvertently rob the intrinsic desire of my loved one with a disability to be the very best he can be if I think it's all up to me. So I think, I think we just have to lay down that, mm-hmm. that burden of over-responsibility Mm-hmm. And just, uh, you know, that's what mindfulness can really help me do is stay in this moment and carry today, carry this moment with me, not yesterday, not tomorrow in the future, but in this moment, mm-hmm. reassure myself that I'm okay. <laughs> and, you know, and, um, and you know, that, that, that gratitude and mindfulness fosters trust about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. And, you know, Lee, it's, you know, this is why it's so great to have friends that we can talk about our practice with as we continue in the journey and, you know, little light bulbs go off as as we go further into this. And, you know, like the whole idea of, of trauma and fight, flight, freeze or fawn, there's, you know, various ways people describe it. But you know, you think about, okay, well, that's something that happens in response to like a, a really big incident, an overwhelming, massive trauma. But you know, something that's, I, I keep feeling, you know, that little incidents, like these micro incidents that happen throughout the day for a caregiver can have these little micro fight, flight, or freeze responses in the body. And we carry them around in these kind of little tiny ways. And the more we can just put the pause button on and almost 
sort of systematically turning down. You know how when you turn off a car, like have you ever seen like one of those old tractors when it turns off, like it kind of like slowly, slowly, slowly shuts <laughs> down and shutters and then finally it stops. You know, I feel like we can do that with our own bodies and our own minds of just saying, okay, I'm just going to download, going to turn all the systems off right now and just let all those micro fight, flight or freeze responses that I carry around with me thinking I've got to finish something, do something, be better, be the parent that I'm supposed to be, which is, you know, some fairy tale image and just say, no, like you said, it's okay. <laughs> I'm okay mm -hmm. right now. Oh, Lee. Sometimes, Sue, I just imagine putting all these fears and worries and regrets in a great big basket and just setting it down yeah. and just saying in this moment, I'm just going to set that down yeah. and just be present to this moment, be yes. noticing the trees, be noticing the birds singing, be noticing, you know, that look on my loved one's face, you know, and just really noticing how beautiful his smile or her smile might be. You know, things like that. If I'm carrying that around, it's like it obscures that worry or that yeah. all of those things just obscure um, the truth of this moment, which has so much potential. And you always remind me, Lee, about just how critical the mindfulness work is for caregivers uh, because, you know, the whole concept of um, beginner's mind, you know, the Zen concept of starting over, reproaching situations with very fresh mindset. And, you know, if my, if my family members are triggering me and stuff's going on, if I can reset and just approach it as though I've never met them before <laughs> and go <laughs> and just wash away all those thoughts and just enter into it fresh, it can be so healing and wonderful just to hit that reset button. So Lee, thank you so much for practicing. You are such a gem. And oh, um, Sue, <laughs> thank you for teaching me all the benefits of mindfulness. I, I, I used to think it was for somebody else, like somebody that had more time or somebody that was more, I don't know what, some, something that I felt I didn't have. But, you know, I've been practicing this now, you know, haltingly, not regularly at times, yeah. but just trying, retry, you know, set, start again, Lee, start yeah. again. Um, yeah you know, start again in this minute, run to the bathroom or run to my bedroom and just go, <laughs> okay, this is not how I want to be. I got to take some yeah. deep cleansing breaths. Yeah. I've got to get grounded where, you know, feel my feet on the floor, whatever yeah. it takes, you know, and then, then proceed again with uh -huh. that, like, yeah. And it, so sometimes it's just as simple as that too. And it's, it's going to be different for everybody. Some people different are going to feel everybody. the feet on the ground. Some people are going to hear the sounds in the room. Some people are going to use that vision, tuning into that. Yeah. Some people placing a hand on the belly, breathing in. Or, so for everyone out there, you probably all have different ways. Find your way of, like Lee said, just tuning in, just giving yourself a moment and, and coming back and finding your own reset button. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh. well, it's been wonderful doing this with you, Sue, and you I hope everyone's really uh, enjoys these sessions. And <laughs> and uh, thanks so much. It's always something to talk about, and I feel like we could go on for hours. Thank you so <laughs> much, Lee. This has been great.
Bye for now.